peace, my people. You're tuning in to I Must Be Bugging, where black, gifted, and otherwise neurodivergent folks celebrate our special flavors. If you've ever questioned your perspective in a world built for the masses, welcome home. I'm your host, Sheldon Gay, and I appreciate you joining me on this journey as a late-identified, black, gifted man. Together, we'll rewrite the script on neurodiversity by celebrating our differences, challenging the status quo, and breaking free from old narratives that label us as deficient. In each episode, we'll explore the stories, experiences, and of course, the curiosities of black gifted adults and other neurodivergent people who are underrepresented or unidentified in a world where normal can also mean harmful. So continue with me on this journey of self-discovery, empowerment, and acceptance. I Must Be Bugging is creating safe spaces, sparking conversations, and making sure our voices are heard. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of I Must Be Bugging. I'm so excited for you all to be here. Uh, my name is Sheldon Gay and I will be your host. And before we even get like really deep into things, I want to thank you again for joining me on this journey into the black, underrepresented, unidentified, gifted and otherwise neurodivergent experience. This is a special place. Uh, this is this means so much for me. Uh, to be able to take this leap into this space and share my story. Um, you know, we'll get into that in a little bit. But again, if that's you, if you identify in that way, welcome my people. Uh, we've been looking for each other. I'm so glad that we found each other. Um, so everyone, every human is looking for community. Every social being really is looking for community, right? Um, but there are those of us who have a harder time finding community. And so when we find each other, it's such a powerful, powerful thing. And so again, if that's you, welcome. Um, if that's someone that you know or love, welcome to our space. I hope that you learn something that helps you create safer spaces for that person or persons in your life. And I also hope, sorry, that it further opens the door for you to coexist in this simulation with us, right? Um, and you'll hear me talk about this as a simulation, right? This thing called life. Um, anyway, again, a, a digression for another day. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the name of the podcast. Um, and so the name of the podcast, I Must Be Bugging, can be taken a few different ways, and I'll just give you two of them. The first is that it speaks to the general neurodivergent experience of seeing the world differently than many and wondering if you're okay. So again, you know, there are many ways to be defined uh, as neurodivergent. And what a common experience, though, is, is that you're seeing the world differently. You, you operate in the world differently. You're experiencing and feeling things differently. And sometimes that is literally in the things that you see. Sometimes that is, you know, other sensory things, whether it be taste or sound or any of those different things. Um, it may be in how you process information. It may be in how you even experience time, right? Um, and frankly, you know, again, for another day, I'll, I'll dive deeper into my thoughts on this, but I, I don't believe that these things are necessarily distinct. I think every human has some, you know, finite set of, let's just call them dials, right? Um, so maybe there's a time sensitivity dial, maybe there's a, um, a taste sensitivity dial, uh, maybe there's a 
word processing dial, whatever, right? But there's some relatively large list, but certainly not infinite list, right, of dials. And my belief is that everyone's got their dial kind of adjusted to fit their unique being, right? And with some of us who are neurodivergent, some of our dials are just turned up a little bit more or maybe a lot a bit more than others. And then that's where we experience things distinctly different. Like not just, you know, did that strawberry ice cream taste as strawberry to you uh, as me, right? That's, you know, within a a regular range. Like, okay, yeah, you liked it or yeah, it, it, you know, I wish it had more strawberry pieces or whatever, right? That's, that's one thing. There's a distinct difference when you taste it and it just gives you a very intense feeling in any direction, right? And that can be due to, you know, a neurodivergence. And that's what, again, this is, is speaking to, that experience of of be existing in a world where it seems like nobody else is seeing what you're seeing, nobody else is hearing what you're hearing, nobody else is feeling what you're feeling, and, you know, wondering if you're okay, right? And, you know, wondering, am I bugging, right? And so, again, no matter what your, you know, uh, what type of neurodivergence you experience, um, at the end of the day, you you are very familiar, I'm sure, with that feeling of of wondering why no one else seems to be reacting in the same way. And frankly, what ends up often happening, unfortunately, where a lot of trauma comes in is because then we turn in on ourselves and wonder if we're broken, if we're, you know, not good enough, if we're just, you know, again, just, just a, a, you think negatively about ourselves. And so uh, one of the things that exacerbates that is the fact that often these are things that it'd be hard to talk about, right? If you're seeing something different, if you're feeling something different, you may not even have the language. And even if you do, if you speak it and it doesn't feel safe, if it doesn't feel like people are going to accept you, I, I, I know personally I've had times when I've not wanted to eat certain things. So, you know, people used to tease me when I was younger because I was a quote unquote picky eater. And when you reflect back on that, you know, was that me being you know, uh, just particular, difficult or whatever? Or was it something that, you know, we had to deal with the textures and and wanting not wanting those things, you know, I, I was seeing somebody online talk about they don't like um, when dry and wet things combine. So they were talking about, you know, mixing their cornbread in, uh, you know, some gravy or something like that, right? And for many of us, that's fine, if not great. But if you are sensitive to those things in a different way, that means that you're going to taste that in a completely distinctly intense way that you won't want to experience, right? And so there's nothing wrong with you for that. That's how you were made. That's how you exist. There's nothing that you, you can't push a button and fix that. And you don't necessarily need to, right? But at the end of the day, imagine trying to express that to somebody in a space where people are telling you, oh man, you just making a big deal out of nothing, right? Because they can't experience, they can't imagine the intensity with which you're experiencing it. And so um, that's, again, that's a part of what the the message of the, the title is really about, is about those experiences, those common experiences that we have 
where you look at yourself and you say, you know, that maybe, you know, there's something distinctly different, but you don't know how, you don't know why, or if you do, it may not be uh, comfortable to share that. I must be bugging is also an affirmation of the ownership of my full identity, something that's taken time for me to get to, but which has been further supported by evidence as I begin to investigate myself further. So what do I mean by that? Well, again, I'm a uh, 41-year-old at the time of this recording, black gifted man. And only months ago did I discover that I was gifted. Um, And so I spent 41 years of my life existing just as, you know, for all intents and purposes, right, as a black man, right? That was my primary identity. And maybe, you know, smart was thrown in there, but it was not something where I really understood what that meant, right? There's lots of smart people. um, And to be clear, being smart or bright is distinct than being um, gifted, which again is a whole nother conversation. But what ended up happening for me was that I realized as I was doing some internal work that there were some intense things about how I experienced things that, um, you know, whether it be emotions, you know, whether it be, you know, for me and my flavor of, of being em- empathic, right? Whether it be just processing things that just process things really quickly. So I, I know there were times when I was younger where I would figure things out before the vast majority of people without any, you know, training, without any prior knowledge. And it, to you know, sometimes it, it was kind of like, you know, a question of like, well, why don't, why are, why is everybody so, you know, taken aback by this? Isn't It's just like, it's right there. It's so obvious, right? Like I could see it so clearly. So why wouldn't everybody else be able to see this? Um, you know, but there were also times when, I would be able to um, pick up on things before anybody else or, like I said, with very limited, if any, um, inside knowledge at all, and it would freak me out, right? Because it's one of those things where, like, well, how how am I performing this magic? Um, And so, again, I'll talk, you know, in other episodes about what that's like and, you know, hopefully be able to talk with some others who've had similar experiences, but... This is about me as well getting to the point where I'm like, I'm gifted, like, you know, digging into this investigation of myself as an adult and saying, wait a second, I, I'm checking these boxes. Um, am I actually gifted? And then kind of coming to this realization, like, there's no way around it. Like, I've, again, I, I'm checking all these different boxes, all these very distinct experiences that people say gifted people have are very much so the experiences that I've either shared with people or they're the experiences that I've been hiding for the longest, you know? And so if that's the experience of gifted people, then I must be bugging, right? I must be black, you know, uh, unidentified, gifted, and otherwise neurodivergent, right? And so uh, for me, a key part of this as well was me saying gifted comes with so much heaviness with it But me saying, no, I accept that that's who I am. I accept the burdens that come with it. I accept the gifts that come with it. I accept all of that as my identity. And therefore, I'm not running away from this. I'm not running away from potentially 
being ex- exceptional in other ways, right? And so um, for those who don't know, you know, when people say that people are twice or multi-exceptional, that means you're gifted and maybe you have ADHD, maybe you have autism, maybe you have dyslexia, maybe you have any of these other neurodivergent, you know, uh, qualities, right? Identities. And so again, I, I it's, it's October now. I identified myself or began to identify myself in March, right? That, that was the beginning. That wasn't even the full on acceptance. So it's not even been close to, or, you know, quite a year that I've been living with this identity. And so, um, I'm definitely open to seeing what other things may be there. Um, but the point is that this title is really about saying not just, you know, I must be bugging in a in a sort of quizzical way, right? But um, definitively kind of standing, you know, in, in who you are and owning your identity for everything that comes with it so that you can love your whole self. And so that's the other part of, of the um, title. So to that end, I'd like to talk a little bit about... Um, you know, what I envision this podcast to be. So I'm starting the podcast because I really do want to normalize neurodivergence. I want to take it from, you know, something that's thought about as deficient to just thinking about it as different, right? How can we think about these things, not just as, as negative aspects, but how do we find ways to recognize ways in which they're different, um, and which they actually add things to people's lives. Um, one of the things I just saw the other day, shout out to uh, Neurodiversity Sanctuary on Facebook, um, this Facebook group. If you're not a part of it, go check it out. Um, one of the things I just saw the other day was this um, comment, this post about autistic people and how, you know, there's always uh, talk about how autistic people can miss social cues. Right. So that can I'm, I'm looking at it right now and it's saying, you know, it's talking about. Um, you know, missing social cues of discomfort or rejection or turn taking and conversational back and forth, right? All these things that people look at folks and say, oh yeah, that person's autistic in a negative way. And, And one, let me just say that none of these things are definitively, you know, any indicators of, of, any type of neurodivergence. If you if you're feeling a certain type of way, uh, particularly around stuff like autism or ADHD or whatever, like certainly um, do some deep investigation. And if you feel compelled, go ahead. And you feel compelled, and you have access to the resources, which again is another um, topic of discussion. Go ahead and, and get um, you know properly diagnosed and and see what what might be there. But anyway. Back to the point at hand, which is that, you know, what is not talked about is sometimes that someone might be missing the cues for, you know, someone saying to them, hey, keep talking, I'm interested. They might miss the cues for someone telling telling them, you're my friend, I love you, right? You, you know, they might miss the cues for um, the group welcomes your presence, Um you know, might miss the cues for, I think you're physically or romantically attractive. And so this is, you know, things I'm pulling from this post, but I would say, again, these are not things that are unique to to autistic people because, I mean, first of all, I think generally, excuse me, many of us uh, experience this, right? This is sort of just the anxiety of of being social beings. Um, But as I mentioned earlier, there is a level of intensity and a level of distinction that's unique for each of these um, 
groups of people and how they, they, they identify. And so the point here really is more so about saying um, if, if you're experiencing the, missing these social cues, these may be ways in which you also might be missing social cues that could actually help you kind of realize, oh, there is love that exists in the space around me. I'm just missing it, right? How do I find, you know, more opportunities for people to see that people actually do love me, I guess is sort of the, the bottom line. And how do we, on the other side, make sure that we're being even more clear with our, you know, friends who have challenges with social cues, who have anxiety around social interactions, right? How do we make sure that we're being very, very clear with them that <clears throat> these things are, are part of our message to them? Um, another part is about helping to uh, identify, helping people identify their communities. So again, I'm somebody who I went to lots of great schools. I, um, I mean, to to put this out there, I mean, technically, uh, my mom knew, right? I remember when I first asked her, um, like I was doing doing this investigation, and she just told me, um, yeah, you you know you I, that I took a test when I was little and. You know, she was like, I think think they would say gifted, right? That's how she said it. And um, that blew my mind. And like I said, that's a conversation for another day. But imagine, you know, 41 years of my life looking for a community like this, not having it, not even knowing that I had access to it, right? And I know there's so many people since then that I've met who uh, seem to clearly fit into... Um, you know, these, these communities who just don't know, right? They just don't realize it. And they're feeling cut off. They're feeling isolated. They're feeling distinctly different and broken. And yet there are places for them to go and find others like them to see that they're just human. They're just human, right? And, and they're differently human than maybe what the masses might experience, but they're still just human. And so, um, there are things to be to be done around that, you know, and there are many stories of parents who are afraid to know, you know, maybe they do know and they're afraid to say, or maybe they are afraid to, to know. They see things in their child, but they're so, so afraid because they don't want their child to be pathologized, right? They don't want to be, you know, put into a box. They don't want to be denied resources. They don't want to be the, the child, them to be the child that doesn't get invited to someplace or, again, just treat it differently, um, and while I understand that, I, I do want to challenge parents to um, find spaces like this where you can find more comfort in the fact that, again, your child might be different, um, but what they need most is is not necessarily protection from those things, but they need uh, advocacy, they need a safe place, and they need to, to be affirmed in who they are. Uh, again, conversations for another day. Um, and then the last thing that I would say, which is related to that, is really about creating safe spaces for self-discovery. You know, labels don't have to equal pathologies. And so one of the more interesting things that has come up is that is how many parents learn about their own neurodivergence through the investigation and diagnosis of their children. So maybe they're seeing you know, ADHD behaviors in their child and they're getting them diagnosed and they start to learn like, oh, these things sound really familiar. I remember this thing, you know, from my childhood or, um, you know, again, it might, what it might, you know, do is if you 
start to look at you say, okay, we got two kids. They both have these behaviors. Um, if this is genetic, like I need to, what about that might be saying something about me, right? I need to look at me. Maybe there's something there for me. Um, and so I, I really want to help people have that safe space to discover. And maybe you dig in and you realize again that you have some, um, you know, some of these behaviors, but they don't necessarily rise to the level of being um, something that needs to be diagnosed. I'll say it that way, right? Um, and so that's fine, right? That's perfectly, perfectly fine. Like I said earlier, like we, I think I do truly believe we all have these dials and maybe, you know, your dials turned up to a four and it needs to be at a six to qualify for ADHD or for, um, you know, giftedness or dyslexia or whatever. I don't know. Right. That's perfectly, perfectly fine. And so your dial still turned up. Um, you, you're, we're not denying, going to deny your experience. Um, but that through that investigation now, you can, you, you can incorporate that into your identity and incorporate that into, you know, how you're able to operate in the world. But if you don't have that, there's so much anxiety around how you're showing up and why you're showing up in the ways that you are. Um, versus realize, oh, wait, like I do struggle with, you know, um, uh, task, uh, initiation and this is because of whatever, again, whether it be, um, any type of neurodivergence, that's fine. Or maybe it's just something else. Right. But I think it's really, really important for people to be able to have the safe space so that without the judgment of, you know, thinking that they have to be any one particular identity, but to really be able to say like, yeah, even if I do have a label, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm totally broken. I've, I've, or let me be clear. Yes, I do mean that. But what I really mean is, is let me, let me share it like this. I know a lot of people who are so afraid of the label, despite the patterns and the ways that they continue to show up. Um, they're so, so afraid of those labels as opposed to having a place where you can say, I am this label, but I'm not the, you know, the, the person that people have told me, uh, an ADHD person is, or someone with high intelligence that, you know, cannot access their emotions. Oh, if you're so, once you're so, so intelligent, there's, it's impossible for you to access your, your emotions. And that's why you're like that, right? Now you've boxed this person in and they don't want to be boxed in. So then they're going to deny the label as opposed to us expanding on what that can mean and kind of going from there. Right. So again, uh, I, I could go on for days. Um, I'm not going to hold you much longer. Uh, again, I just wanted to really introduce what the purpose of this podcast is and tell you a little bit more about the title so that it's clear. Um, I'm hoping that this, you know, sounds interesting and that you'll continue to join me. I'm already lining up some, you know, great guests uh, along the way. Um, if you know someone who you think would love to have this kind of conversation and speak to their, um, either their expertise or their uh, experience as a part of this community, please reach out, let me know. Um, and with that, I will let you all go. Thank you again for joining me. Uh, peace and see you next time on I Must Be Bugging. Thank you for joining me for another episode of I Must Be Bugging. I hope you've learned something, became curious, 
and most importantly, felt affirmed by what you heard. Remember, this podcast is all about sharing compassionate narratives about who we are and how we contribute to the beautiful and necessary diversity of humanity. This is our place to unmask and just be. Don't forget to connect with me on IG at I Must Be Buggin', where I'm eager to see you share your thoughts, your experiences, and your stories. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. Leave a review and subscribe. It helps others who are eager for community find our people. So thank you again for being a part of the I Must Be Buggin' community. I can't wait for the next episode. Until then, stay up and enjoy who you were meant to be. And remember, you're not bugging. You're brilliant.